This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor sounds like he's taking a victory lap. COVID-19 has not gone away, but Ron DeSantis says it's nowhere near as bad in Florida as people feared it might be. The CEO of Visit Florida says the pandemic is the largest crisis the global tourism industry has ever faced. But they're working on a four-stage plan to bring people back to the Sunshine State, and you're a part of that plan. Democrats in the state legislature call on the governor to offer more bridge loans to struggling businesses. The state had $50 million, but it was snapped up mostly by large companies, leaving mom-and-pop operations with just about nothing. On the Sunrise interview, we talk with the CEO of the Florida Chamber of Commerce. Mark Wilson is already a key player in the governor's task force to reopen Florida, and he'll be doing the same thing for the National Chamber of Commerce. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the latest misadventures of Florida Man, the COVID-19 edition. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, April 22nd. There have been almost 28,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Florida. 867 people have died, including 44 over the past 24 hours. But Governor Ron DeSantis is sounding more upbeat than at any time since the pandemic began. Tuesday's COVID-19 update ended with the governor taking what sounded suspiciously like a victory lap. We know that the hospitals are not going to get overrun. We know that the number one thing that people were concerned about with this was that type of catastrophe. That's not going to happen. That has not happened. Uh, we have all these, these extra beds and field hospitals, and nobody's there. So that's a very good thing, and I think people should be, should be happy with that. I think that they should be happy with the fact that we have, um, you know, we, we're basically, California and us, we'll be ahead, then they'll be ahead in terms of raw testing. Um, in terms of per capita testing, which is probably a better, we were, you know, we started this, we were at almost the bottom. We're now, I think we're in the top 25. 20 maybe, or 25 for sure, um, and we continue to move up that ranking. And then if you look at Southeast Florida per capita, we would definitely be in the top 25 if that was a separate state because we put so much resources there. Um, and then we have a plan to do even more. So I think people, as they're looking at the next phase, should understand we're all in on diagnostic testing. We're all in on serological testing. They're both very, very important. Um, so we will actually have, and we're working with emergency management on this, We'll probably have more testing sites in the next phase than even in this phase because we don't know what's going to ha- how it's going to pop up or what we want employers to be able to have some, uh, to be able to send people to these places and um, and I think that that's important. So yeah, look, I think that I think folks in, in all my time, I mean, I was you know in college when 9/11 happened. Um, that was obviously a traumatic event for the country, um, and this, the financial crisis upended a lot. But I don't think that neither of those rival this in terms of the, uh, the amount of fear and panic that this instilled. And, and I, think it's, I think it's important to just tell people we're going to be okay. It, it, we're, we're not out of the woods. This is something we're going to have to deal with. But if you look at where we are today versus where we were six weeks ago, uh, a lot of the predictions that were made time and time again, uh, I, I would say that nobody predicted that we would be in the spot that we are right now. So, so that's a good thing. It doesn't mean the work's done, uh, but I think that we're on the right track. And I think it's because Floridians have really pulled together and I think worked, uh, worked really well regardless of party, uh, particularly, I mean, in the southeast Florida, you know, those folks have been great to work with. Um, you know, every single day uh, we're, we're working with them in different ways. And so, so I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that we're going to be, we're going to come out of this strong. It's not going to be easy. I wish it never happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes you rise to the occasion, and I think the people of Florida have done that, and I thank them for it. Thanks.
The state's tourism marketing agency is working on a four-stage plan to bring tourists back to Florida, but the timing depends on the virus. Former state lawmaker Dana Young is the CEO of Visit Florida, and she says the tourism industry is facing an unprecedented challenge. The impact of Florida tourism has been devastating. This crisis has affected all sectors of the global economy. It has changed consumer psychology and behavior and for the moment has negatively influenced the desire of people to travel. This is the largest crisis the global tourism industry has ever faced. But Florida tourism is no stranger to crisis and crisis response, unfortunately. Through hurricanes, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, terror attacks, the Great Recession, Visit Florida has protected the Florida tourism industry and helped our economy rebound. Rest assured, we are prepared to play an essential role in the effort to rebuild Florida's economy post-COVID-19. Visit Florida is currently developing a rebound strategy that supports all sectors of Florida's tourism industry in delivering travelers to Florida as the stay-at-home restrictions ease and people regain confidence in travel once again. Our goal is to ensure that one of Florida's most important industries, the tourism industry, is in the best possible position to recover. Travel has proven to be a resilient industry and people will travel again when they feel safe to do so. Young says they're counting on Floridians to jumpstart the tourism industry by taking vacations in their own state, and they'll start the marketing campaign just as soon as the stay-at-home orders have been lifted. Given that Floridians will be in the best position to immediately travel in Florida, people that live in our state will be incredibly important in restarting Florida's tourism industry. Our marketing will aim to invoke a sense of Florida pride by reminding Floridians that they are blessed to live in one of the most amazing vacation destinations in the world. We believe that Floridians will respond positively, especially since there's an existing desire to support and rebuild local businesses. Visit Florida will tap into this concept of state patriotism that Floridians already have in abundance. Also, we will deliver directly to consumers content that highlights the beautiful and unique opportunities that can only be found in Florida, including outdoor recreational and other activities that don't require an immense amount of human contact. In the past, Visit Florida's marketing has almost exclusively focused on attracting out-of-state visitors to Florida. While we know that this is still very important, we understand that the willingness for people to travel is going to start within driving distance from their homes and initially within the boundaries of our state. Young is a member of the governor's task force to reopen the state. Governor DeSantis is asking members of that group to come up with suggestions to restart the economy, and he's telling them not to get hung up over things like which businesses are classified as essential services. People will say in New York their subway system is, quote, essential Maybe it is, but that's incredibly high risk and has probably been the number one disseminator uh, of the virus. There are other things that people would say would be, quote, non-essential, but that are very low risk. And so for me, I'm less concerned going forward about essential, non-essential distinction, but then trying to have as much low risk activity as possible. And so if you look in the tourism, restaurants, um, all these things that we got to think through, I think the thing is, is How do you do things in a way that are going to minimize risk? And if people can fight over toilet paper in Costco, then I got to think there's a way that you can run a restaurant safely. 
Um, you know, if people are going to line up to go to the grocery store, then I got to think there's ways, you know, that you would be able to do some of the other things that we would do. So I think it's, um, you know, less about what's not essential or essential and more about what's safe and can you take activities that we've typically done um, and ensure a level of safety. And not just because we want it to be safe. We obviously do. Uh, but I think what this has shown, and there was a, a huge hysteria that has swept the country. Um, a lot of people were really, really scared, and many of them still are scared. Uh, are they going to have the confidence to want to, you know, to do some of the things that we used to do? And so I think the things that the different industries uh, are doing or, or thinking about are going to be important because I think everyone has a business interest in getting this done in a way that's safe and that people have confidence in. Because if you don't, even if you're, quote, allowed to be open, that ain't going to be good for business. And I think we all understand that. So uh, I would focus on, um, you know, how do you operate in a way that minimizes risk? That's what we've tried to do uh, here in the state of Florida. I mean, even our essential business um, uh, order had uh, essential activities. And basically, I wasn't concerned if the fact that you left your house that's low risk. I was concerned about having you know, close contacts with a lot of people outside your household. And that's really where we're talking about in terms of transmission of the virus. And so, so think in more practical terms, think about what will minimize risk uh, for transmission uh, of the virus. And, um, and I think that uh, you'll be able to come up with some great ideas. But critics complain that the governor's task force has some glaring omissions. It's chock full of executives from major corporations, but State Representative Anna Eskimani of Orlando says small businesses have been neglected. There seems to be one small business on it, and that's Bella Bella in Tallahassee, great restaurant, um, but that's not enough. And so I think there is a disappointment that we don't see Main Street directors, we don't see small businesses that are, are making up a a proportion, a large proportion of the task force. It seems very heavy on big business who are also big donors to the governor. State Representative Margaret Good of Sarasota says the governor's task force doesn't really have any medical experts, only politicians and business execs. What I'm hearing from small businesses um, is, you know, everybody wants to get back to normal life as quickly as possible, reopen as quickly as possible. People are really concerned about their livelihoods, about their businesses, whether they're employees and they need a paycheck or they're small business owners and um, need to reopen their businesses. But almost every single small business owner that I talk to, almost every single employee that I talk to is afraid to open without widespread testing, without knowing from public health professionals that we have a plan and that we have this under control. And you know, my concern about the task force list as I saw it is that there is a real lack of epidemiologists, of public health professionals, of people that have experience managing these types of crises. And I think that that's, uh, that's not just important for public health, but it's also important to our economy because if we mm -hmm. open our economy too soon and then we see a spike in cases, it could decimate, you know, it could, it could really negatively affect our economy in a much longer term. The Reopen Task Force will be meeting the rest of the week in hopes of coming up with a short-term recovery plan by Friday. There are four teleconferences scheduled today.
Democrats in the legislature are blasting the governor's $50 million bridge loan program that's supposed to help companies bridge the financial gap until the pandemic is done. 38,000 Florida businesses applied for one of those loans, but Senator Audrey Gibson of Jacksonville says only 1,000 received them before the money ran out. Although uh, we're supposed to be in this all together, um, it looks like that is not necessarily the belief of um, the governor um, and some others, as a matter of fact, and particularly as it relates to helping uh, small businesses. What happened? I I don't think there was parity in how those uh, bridge loans were distributed. Representative Margaret Good says those $50,000 bridge loans were supposed to help small businesses, but the money was snapped up by large firms with political connections. So there was very little left for mom and pop operations that don't play the political game. The actual small businesses in my community are not getting this money. We are seeing local restaurants, fishing charters, fitness facilities, and other small businesses that are desperately trying to survive on the one hand, and on the other hand, seeing all of these big corporations getting relief and are feeling really frustrated um, and wondering why they are being left behind. You know, small businesses, which are often family run, are really the heartbeat of our of Florida's economy, so important to our local economies. And we need to ensure that they survive this economic crisis that's caused by a pandemic, which was, you know, not their fault. But that is not what's happening. Um, you know, and I, I want to note that big corporations have other options to survive this crisis. They've got um, private debt markets. They can sell stock in equity markets if they're publicly traded. They've got a lot of options. The, the businesses that don't have a lot of options are the, you know, mom and pops that have 10 employees. And if they go away, our local economy, it, ta- it takes it longer and longer and longer to recover. And so it's, it's really important that we provide um, an avenue to ensure that small local businesses get the help that they need. Um, and that means uh, expanding, increasing the funding for programs like the Small Business Alert Emergency Bridge Loan um, and uh, providing more funding for the Paycheck Protection Program, but also being uh, holding our state and local governments accountable um, to being disciplined on how that money gets allocated. It's not just the state program, it's the federal bailout as well. Representative Anna Eskimani says there is a pattern of favoring giant corporations that suck up as much money as they can, leaving next to nothing for the little guys. Both our governor and the president of the United States have a preference towards big business over small companies. And I'll say too that um, just last week, uh, Florida made the decision to allow $543 million in a corporate tax refund to be released to the state's largest corporations, uh, half a billion dollars based on 2018 uh, tax package. Meanwhile, our small businesses and our individual Floridians get no relief and the unemployment system is still a mess. And these big corporations are the ones that actually help to craft the current unemployment insurance program we're all dealing with right now as Floridians, many who are employees of small businesses, uh, struggle to get any relief into their pockets. I also was not surprised when the governor rolled out his reopened Florida task force, despite the fact that we didn't know who was on that task force until the very end of the call. But the first speaker announced was the Florida Chamber. Again, another institution that really, really brands itself 
as the voice for all business. And yet you look at their membership, you look at the, the issues they lobby on, and it's all issues that their biggest corporations will benefit from. And some of these corporations are not struggling right now. Publix, Walmart, um, Amazon, we have corporations in this country that are actually doing very well. And so the fact that some of these programs allow corporations that have the ability to do an equity transaction to also get a government loan makes absolutely no sense. Eskimani, Good, and Gibson all want the governor to come up with more money for bridge loans, and they want the state to do a better job deciding who gets the money. One business owner in Tampa was able to obtain half a million dollars by applying for and receiving 10 bridge loans, one for each of his Jersey Mike's sub shops. Gibson says that should never have been allowed. Next up on the Sunrise interview, we talk with Mark Wilson, the president of the Florida Chamber of Commerce. He's an integral part of the governor's Reopen Florida Task Force and will play a similar role in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Mark Wilson, president and CEO of the Florida Chamber of Commerce. He was the leadoff speaker Monday during the first meeting of the governor's Reopen Florida Task Force. Wilson is also chairman of the Council of State Chambers and will work with the Council and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on a joint task force to support and coordinate the federal and state approaches to reopening the national economy. The way I look at this is, you know, we, we have a global pandemic going on. No, nobody alive today has ever seen anything like this before. And I believe, as president of the Florida Chamber, I believe that what Governor DeSantis has laid out so far, that we're going to follow the data and follow the models. I believe we're actually, when we emerge from this uh, in several months or maybe a year, I believe that Florida is going to be the global model. I think we're doing, I think we're doing the restart exactly the way that we should. Uh, we're looking very carefully at the data. So I'm, I'm actually optimistic that by the time this is done, that this is going to be done right. Now, the, the only comments I've heard actually complaining about the task force are on the membership. The people have pointed out that there are no doctors or healthcare professionals. There is the, the chairman of the Tampa General, but you know he's a businessman. He's not a medical kind of guy. And the other concern is about the lack of small business representatives on these boards. Can you talk about either of those? Well, I, I can just tell you what I've been hearing for the last uh, for the last couple of months. Uh, what what I've seen is, you know, if if you watch where, you know, I think we're on day 50 or so uh, since the first case in Florida, and every decision that Florida's made so far, at least at the state level, I, I can't speak for for mayors and counties. At the state level, you've seen Surgeon General Scott Rifkes, and you've seen our ACA Secretary Mary Mayhew standing right next to Governor DeSantis, and they've been looking at what is the data telling us? How many cases do we have? What's the testing percentage doing? And every decision that's been made so far has been made by and large based on what the data is telling us. And so I, I think not only have there, been, uh, have there been hospitals and physicians involved in these decisions, there's actually been Florida's top doctor, Scott Rifkes, involved in all of the decisions uh, relative to executive orders and relative to safer at home orders. So Whatever the makeup of some committee or task force is somewhere, I think that what's happening is we're looking, the governor's looking at the data, uh, especially from healthcare professionals. I, I, I think that's what matters. All right. Now, there's also a national effort underway by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and that involves you because you are the chairman of the, uh, what is the, the Council of State sure. Chambers, correct? That's right. So I'm the national chair of the Council of State Chambers, and uh, we have, so all 50 states and their state chamber leaders, together with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, has just launched a national task force of state chambers in the U.S. Chamber to make sure that all 50 states are coordinated in this and that we have a sense of what are the best practices. You know, obviously California is different than Florida. 
But when you look at, you know, how are they opening something up in the middle of Los Angeles versus the middle of Miami, when you look at the healthcare concerns, there's a, there's a lot we can take from each other. And so that, that's what this task force is all about. Why would there be a national get back to work when all the shutdowns were done by states? That's, that's the one thing I'm wondering about. Well, Rick, actually, I'm really glad you asked it that way because, you know, the White House has put out guidelines and each state is going to put out guidelines. And then where the real success or failure is going to come in, in Florida, we have 412 cities and 67 counties. And, you know, when you think about two weeks from now, four weeks from now, the success of the reopening of Florida's economy is really going to happen at the local level. It's going to be small businesses working with chambers of commerce and economic developers and hospitals and mayors and county commissioners. This is going to have to be executed at the local level within the safety guidelines that the state and the White House put together. So I, I, I hope that I hope nobody thinks that this is going to be a national or a state effort. This is going to be one city, one county, one neighborhood at a time. That's what's important. And let me ask you the one unfair question. Any projection as to when we'll get back to some semblance of normality? Well, I, I, I think, first of all, Rick, I think it's a fair question. Everybody's asking it right now. I, I, I think we're probably going to be changing the definition of normal. Right. I think it's going to be a long, long time before we get back to what you and I would call normal. You know, we're the 17th largest economy in the world in Florida. And I, I think if you look at other countries, which is what I've been spending a lot of time doing, if we do this like South Korea did, right, or still is, then we have a fighting chance of our economy anyway being back to where it was 60 days ago, uh, maybe at, in the first quarter of 2021. If, on the other hand, we fall the way of Singapore, right? Singapore thought they had this taken care of, and all of a sudden they went back to work. They didn't do it the right way. And now in Singapore, for the second time, they've closed schools, they've closed most offices, and they've also uh, stopped travel in and out of Singapore. So Florida, we, ha we have to make sure that we do this the right way and that we don't become like some of these countries that have actually fallen back into a relapse. That, that's what we're going to be focused on, Rick, is to do this safely. Um, it, it really almost um, it, it just has to be done safely or else we're going to be doing this, you know, for six months, for a year until there's a vaccine and we can't afford that. Any last words for the fans? You know, I just I would tell everybody, hang in there. Um, you know, getting back safely to work the right way is going to be more important. You know, uh, wh whether this takes three months, um, you know, or five months to get back uh, to some semblance of normal, I, I think it's important that we do it right. And so I hope everybody just has some patience. If we all focus on what the data says, um, I think we're going to be in good shape. I'm very optimistic for the future of Florida. I think we'll, I think we're going to get back stronger than ever. Our thanks to Chamber of Commerce President Mark Wilson for taking time out to talk to us on what turned out to be a very busy day. Your calendar of political events begins with the nominating commission at the First District Court of Appeal. They're meeting at 9 to interview two applicants for an opening created by the resignation of Judge James Wolfe. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission's Harmful Algae Bloom slash Red Tide Task Force holds a teleconference at 9. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets in conference call at 9. The Valencia College Board of Trustees meets remotely at 9.30. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30 in Tallahassee. The Governor's Reopen Task Force has four meetings today. Three different work groups hold separate meetings at 10. The Executive Committee meets at 2. And the Hillsborough Community College Board of Trustees meets by conference call at 4.30. Finally, it's time for the new adventures of Florida Man, the COVID-19 edition. 
Officers in Putnam County say a Florida man tried to avoid arrest by claiming he was infected with coronavirus. 28-year-old Joshua Price was wanted on a felony charge. There were also warrants out for violation of probation. Deputies say he placed a handwritten sign on his front door that read, COVID-19 infected since 4-8-20. Deputies say they did check to make sure Price was lying about his condition and ended up kicking down the door. But they showed up with proper protective gear just in case. He was locked up in the county jail and the sheriff's office says there's no sign that he has the infection. Finally, a Florida man has come up with the ultimate accessory for the pandemic, protective masks made from pythons. Brian Wood is the owner of All-American Gator Products in Dania Beach. He's crafting decorative mask coverings from the skin of the Burmese python, an infamous invasive species that's been wreaking havoc on native wildlife in the Everglades. The python's skin itself doesn't actually provide protection, but his mask does allow for a filter or a lining to be inserted and then removed for cleaning. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.